Welcome to The Hearth, a podcast where we meet new people and ideas that challenge us, inspire us, and bring us home to ourselves. I'm your host, Candace Elliott. Welcome, brave souls, to this episode of The Hearth. In this episode, I share with you my take on the importance of coming home for the self, one of the driving forces behind this podcast. This isn't just a philosophical or psychological conversation, although there is that, but it is also a practical one because I share practical steps that you can track. Everything that I share has been learned through my own study, inquiry, and practice. So I invite you to take what works for you and to leave the rest. In our culture, especially our work culture, we value action. This culture is very linear in its perspective of how time works and how lives work and how work works. Linear time is like the digital clock with numbers marching ever upwards and onwards. With this perspective of time, it is difficult to create space for rest. It just isn't something that's thought to be valuable. So how can we conceptualize the value of rest? If we incorporate a cyclical perspective of time, much like the analog clock with its round face or a seasonal perspective of the year, we return to the same place from time to time. And one of those places is a place of rest. During rest, your body literally regenerates itself. The body is an amazing healer and will heal itself when it has nutrients, safety, and rest. As someone who has given birth, I am in awe of the body's capacity for more and healing. I'm amazed by how my body swelled to hold another person, the tremendous power there is in birth, and the seemingly endless amount of time it has taken to heal. But it doesn't take birthing a human to know how long it can take to heal from physical or psychological wounds. Sometimes it takes a lifetime. All of us experience these wounds from time to time. We receive new wounds and old ones suddenly open up again. If we don't take time for rest before we are wounded, it will be that much harder to recover when it happens. Rest is the time when your muscles rebuild themselves, when your brain makes interesting and new connections, your subconscious works through its challenges and what it has been confronted with, 
And of course, what it's processing. But we have relegated this important function of the body to specific times. When we think about rest within the linear narrative, what comes to mind is the rest day that's part of a workout regime and sleep, but only at night, not naps, because those are for people who are lazy. In our culture, endlessly striving for more, better, and productive, we have put rest aside. Electricity means that we can be endlessly productive and distracted all through the dark hours. We can literally stay up all night working, but most of us will take a break at some point during the night to try to sleep. But many of us have difficulty sleeping at night, sleeping during the day, or sleeping at all. And when there are troubles with our capacity for rest, that comes from the stress that we experience in our day, in our day-to-day, and in the difficult situations that we find ourselves in. The inability to nap, to fall asleep, to stay asleep, to sleep restfully, to wake feeling fully rested is rooted in unresolved stress. This stress could be something that happened that day or something that did or didn't happen during your childhood that's still being processed by your mind. The important thing here is to note that disturbances in sleep are signposts saying something is off. The body doesn't have capacity to rest. I am stuck in the middle of a stress cycle. Personally, my pattern for many, many years was to be stuck in a never-ending stress cycle. I wasn't truly resting. My rest was overtaken by all of the things I needed to do. And when it all got to be too much, I would try to escape. I would escape by hiding in my bed, by drinking a lot of alcohol, by running away and into relationships, escaping in many different kinds of ways. I had very little capacity to allow my body to have time to really rest, not just at night, but also throughout the course of my day. The default for me for many years was to constantly be in a state of stress and to be pushing and always moving forward rather than making space to pause and to be in the moment that I am in, I kept pushing onwards and upwards. I felt that if I could go harder, longer, do more, only then would I be successful. This is how I was able to finish a master's degree while working full time. 
I just didn't rest. I overrode my nervous system so that I could function well and prove myself in this linear perspective of time. And I did that until I couldn't do it anymore. At a certain point, my body literally stopped me from doing anything. And then I was forced to learn how to rest. During that time, I learned some evidence-based ways to complete stress cycles. And these include physical activity, which is not necessarily exercise. Even walking is good for the body. Walking tells the mind that the body is well. Shaking is another physical activity that I participate in. Shaking helps to release pent up energy, much the way an animal will shake if it goes through being injured or shocked. Dancing, yoga, and swimming are all other activities that I enjoy. Creativity is another way to complete stress cycles. And for many years, creativity in artful forms was beyond my ability. It just felt like I am not an artist, so I am not creative. But I was able to start with small steps, you know, cooking, gardening, painting a wall of a room, making things with my hands. Your creativity is inside of you and it's asking to come out. Another thing that helps to complete cycles of stress is laughing and crying. So I invite you to inquire into how much you laugh and cry over the next week. Our bodies are made to release our emotions through these actions regularly. I find that if tears are going to come, I try to squish them down and make them not happen. And so I'm currently trying to build my capacity for crying. Physical affection is another thing. The closeness of another person's consensual affection helps to release oxytocin, which helps down-regulate the nervous system and relax you. Deep breathing is the last one I'm going to mention today. I do a deep breathing exercise where I breathe in while counting from one to five and breathe out counting from five to one. After doing this a few times, I'm noticeably calmer. And that's something that's easy to do. You can bring it with you anywhere you go. Now, even as I have created more capacity for rest, I still find that there is work to do, especially in my capacity to be in the restful moment, which is where true safety lies. I don't want my meaning to be mistaken here. There is true horror in the world. There are times when the present is not safe or when it is appropriate to take the mind to the past 
the future, or to some other imaginary place. There are times to compartmentalize what is happening in order to survive. I have needed to do these things during certain events that I have experienced. To feel safe and present in the moment is not something that is accessible all the time for all people. And for many of us, it is so far from the truth of our existence that it sounds impossible. My own ability to be in the restful moment is different from day to day. Some days it's very, very difficult. That difficulty for me, it shows up as feeling bored, as feeling frustrated, and as like a low level kind of anxiety. And when I have anxiety, I recognize it as a feeling of being picked apart in my chest. My reaction to feeling unsafe in rest is to create a list of tons of things that I quote unquote need to do. Sometimes I decide that I need to cook like eight things in an afternoon, or I need to run six errands in an hour, or I need to tackle like 12 things on my work to-do list on my day off. or I need to scroll through social media for an hour. Sometimes I worry about what I have said to someone. I worry about the state of a relationship or something that I saw on the news, and the list goes on and on and on. So instead of actually being kind to my body and giving her the rest that she needs, I create stress and worry that I put myself through. Another layer of this that I want to address is around the inequities that are a part of the world today. I have deep concern for them and care for them and find myself digging deeper and deeper to try to understand how we can shift things toward a more regenerative systems approach, especially in the world of work. And I use the word systems loosely here. So this inquiry has been going on for my whole life. One iteration of it was a search for big T truth about Five to 10 years ago, it went into understanding the development of labor law and unions in the early 20th century and how those dynamics continued to affect us through the civil rights movement, through anti-discrimination, and up to today. A few years ago, I went back further in time to inquire into the shift in Europe from merchant to capitalist economy, looking into the social agreements and legal contracts that created the foundations of the systems that we have inherited. More recently, I've begun to look into Indo-European myths and specifically how 
the polytheist myth narrative is replaced by a monotheist domination narrative. You can see this and how the content of the stories of the myths change over the years. And I'll be going into all of this in more detail in future episodes, but to suffice it to say that this is heavy work. It takes a lot of mental, emotional, and physical strength. And in order to keep doing it, I have to give my body time to rest. There are horrible things happening in this world. Systems of exploitation that are at work. Some of these affect me personally and others don't. My personal burden of inequities is different than other people's. Most people in this world experience much more inequity than I do on a given day. I have the space to acknowledge that most of the time, bad things are not happening to me personally right now. And the more well-resourced I am in my body, the more able I am to be in those hard moments when they inevitably come to fight when it is time to fight and to have the courage to speak truth to power. I caught myself today in a particular moment like that. I was with my son and I started to feel a sense of boredom coming in. And for me, anxiety follows close on the heels of boredom. I started pulling out my phone to look something up online and I stopped myself. At that moment, I created a space to tell myself that I am safe, that nothing is threatening me in this restful moment, and that I can be just as I am. Sometimes that small practice helps me to build capacity for rest, for coming home to myself, for being fully present with the people that I am with. Sometimes I forget to do this or I don't believe it. I don't believe what I'm saying to myself. And when this happens, I only have the capacity to be in action. I can't bring myself to practices that complete stress cycles, like the ones we talked about before. And I can't stay in rest. I can't access rest. And so then what I do is I'll write out a list of all the things that I feel like I need to do. You know, like the dishes, clean the bathroom, fold the clothes, check the emails, and so on. I will physically write that list out on paper. I'm primarily a kinesthetic learner, which means that I learn by physically moving my body. So writing has been a great tool for me in learning, especially when I have to listen, read, or watch something. You should see my books. There's always like a million notes in the margins. 
So once I have this list, then I'll start crossing things off that don't actually need to happen. And as I'm crossing things off, I note which things are left that I'm really drawn towards. Like, what are the things that I really want to do? Not the things that I feel like I have to do because they're on the list and they'll get me eventually to, you know, like whatever thing there is down the line. But right in this moment, what is it in front of me that I feel called to do? Every body has a sensation of what is a yes and what is a no. For me, a yes feels like relaxation, allowing, and warmth. A no feels like resistance, forcing, and dividing. So today, maybe the yes in this moment is drinking some water. Maybe it's eating something. Maybe it's cooking some bone broth, recording an episode of the podcast. Maybe it's reaching out to former clients and reestablishing connections with them. Or maybe it's playing with my son, watching a movie, reading a book. There are many things that the yes can be. And that thing is different for me in every moment. It can change from moment to moment, in fact. And it is different from person to person. So it's not like I can say, if you do X thing, you will build your capacity for rest. You'll feel like you're at home with yourself. But if you bring yourself to the present, and you pay attention to what is happening in your body physically and what feels like a true yes in the moment. I have found that that has helped me to feel more present in whatever it is that I am doing because I feel like I can be fully myself in that activity rather than having just a part of me engaged in it. And so instead of fracturing myself in order to be able to get the list of things done, I will bring my whole self to just this one piece. And a little reminder that to meet the complex and ever-changing challenges that we meet, we must be well-resourced rested, and nourished in our bodies. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening in. If you liked what you heard, hit subscribe so you know when the next episode drops. And if you haven't yet, check out my guide to doing work differently. It's linked in the show notes.